Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Jody Leone here with my wonderful partner in crime, Sean Anderson. And we have plenty of great NFL content to give you in regards to the previous week four action in the Professional Football League. And the first headline that we're going to be hitting home with is probably one of the biggest ones that we tend to have been debating recently in regards to, and that is Le'Veon Bell. He came out and said that he is going to be playing in week seven is going to be when he's finally coming back, currently in the middle of a contract holdout, but decided to finally come back at some point in the season. Now, going off that point, how do you think they're going to fare up until he can finally be the guy coming back and take over that role over James Conner? Firstly, I don't believe that he's going to be actually coming back because you've heard the reports that Tomlin hasn't even talked to the guy. Well, yes. So I, I, I have no faith that Le'Veon Bell is actually c- going to come back on the team. But if he does, it'll be a good week to come back. He'll be in the bye week. He'll probably do second-team rafts and then work his way back up to first team, and they'll get him in the game week eight. I don't know how the Steelers are going to fare. I mean, sometimes they look dominant, and James Conner looks like he's running the ball hard, and they're clicking on offense. And then sometimes you get a, a showcase like we saw on Sunday night versus the Ravens where they just looked anemic on offense, and they got, they got worked. Yeah, you, you brought up a really good point with, with Bell, and I really don't think that they're going to surrender all those carries that they've been giving to James Conner. This was probably his worst game that we saw from him in Week 4, but throughout the first three weeks, he really looked like a Bell Cow type back. Almost not exactly Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell-esque, and he was performing better than people expected him to do right off the bat. And I can't imagine that if, if he has a couple more good weeks, just you know a couple decent performances here and there, that they wouldn't... Be, they're probably not going to be quick to give Le'Veon Bell his full load right off, you know, right from the get-go. It's probably going to be a slow process. They're probably going to let Connor do what he was doing. And this goes into my next question, though: is will he still be traded before that deadline? Is Tomlin sick of what he was dealing with with him, and are all the other guys in that locker room so sick of him that they're going to be willing to trade him and put him within a? different organization and just pretty much throw it all away with him it's really interesting and joe i've trusted i trust that you have seen the longest yard the adam sandler version yes where adam sandler returns to the game after uh taking the bet taking the fall from the warden and the offensive line just lets him get sacked three straight times and he just gets crushed i fear that Le'Veon bell may have damaged some of his relationships with the steelers offensive line and some of his other teammates so I don't know whether or not they will be fully accepting of having him back. I think if the Steelers start to win again and they start to have a winning record, they're like, oh, who needs you, man? You ditched us. But if they do start to lose and they start to really fall and they don't completely fall out of the playoff hunt, then they might accept Le'Veon Bell back with more welcoming arms. Yeah, and the the point that you were referencing, if anybody remembers from the preseason, a lot of the Steelers' offensive linemen – were very quick to judge his decision-making and deciding to stay away. I forget who was the one who made the comment. Was it DeCastro? No, it, it was wasn't DeCastro. Pouncey and then Foster. Yes, and and I think it was Pouncey. No, no, Foster I think was the one who pointed out that he's making an obnoxiously big deal about this and the fact that he's already making double of some of the guys blocking for him and making him look a little bit better than he is are... You know, like they're frustrated with the fact that he's making double double of what they are, and he's already asking for even more money. And I can't imagine that's really a situation that you can mend. It's not like he's on the other side of the ball 
These are the guys that are responsible for protecting him. And I even if you know Tomlin forces him in there and forces them to deal with him, I'm sure they're not going to be very content with doing it. There's probably going to be a lot of butting heads going forward. I think best bet for the Steelers, albeit he claims I'm coming back week seven, their best bet is to trade him to an organization that is going to be very desperate to get the um, what's the word I'm looking for? To, to, to get the services of a level of running back that Le'Veon Bell is. That being the Indianapolis Colts, if they start to turn that ship around, or the Green Bay Packers would be a good for, fit for him. Uh, maybe the Miami Dolphins would be a decent fit for him. There's a bunch of teams out there that the New could York use, Jets. Yeah, New, well, New York Jets, are, Jets have been talked about. They're not really in a position to make the playoffs, though. I don't know about They're you. in a position to pay them big, though. Yes, yes. Yes, they are. And I'm sure they'd be willing to take some pressure off of Sam Darnold's back and help him out a little bit but at the end of the day though I cannot imagine that they're going to be willing to keep him in this locker room so two other headlines and it's the results of week four we have one team remaining that is 0-4 the Seahawks no that was last week they got their first win but this week the Texans got their first win the Raiders got their first win only one remaining is the Arizona Cardinals who by many are revered as an enormous dumpster fire is you know with with this own 14 is is this really that surprising is is this really bypassing the expectations many of us had at the beginning of the season they shipped off their big time free agents in the last 2 years they have gotten old on defense they haven't necessarily upgraded their offensive line in 3 years they're wasting david johnson they lost john brown they signed sam uh, Bradford to a ridiculous contract. Now Josh Rosen is taking the snaps. And did you know that Bradford is now the third string quarterback behind yep. Glennon and Rosen? Just a, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous that that he could fall that far in Arizona. Yeah, the the whole team really just lacks any any substance. I think a lot of people expected them to finish as a top five pick, but. Now looking at it, I don't think I expected them to be the only winless franchise remaining. It's just a huge mess out there in Arizona. I really fear for Josh Rosen, who's going to have to play behind a very thin offensive line. He does have David Johnson to help him out a little bit, but that is going to be a team that is going to be rebuilding probably for the next four or five years, just, just looking at it. I don't know what you think, but... I'd just looking two, I, at it. I would say two to three years. Okay. I, I just think at least three is probably the minimum if if I were to put a number on it because they're, when they were good, their defense was on the older range, their offensive line was on the older range, and their receiving core was on that older range. And now John Brown is gone and Michael Floyd, who are the young guys in that receiving core, are gone. That offensive line, really the only good player I can think of is is Mike Upati, but he hasn't really been up to the level that he was when he was younger and the reason why he was signed in free agency in the first place. And frankly, I can't really name a good defensive player on that team besides Chandler Jones and then maybe Robert Kemdichi, but he hasn't really played up to his potential yet. What about Patrick Peterson? Well, I look like an idiot, don't I? <laughs> All right, well, Patrick Peterson, obviously, but if any team is in the playoff hunt and has some holes to fill, they're going to want to show up for the garage sale that is going to be the Arizona Cardinals at the trade deadline because I bet you that they're probably going to trade 
at least one major asset from that team. Maybe it's going to be a lineman. The Giants would be a perfect fit for them. I wouldn't be surprised. They have two assets. Three, I guess, if you want to count Chandler Jones. Yeah. So, I, I mean, let's see who they who they give up. Because if they really want to rebuild and they want to build around Sam, uh, Josh Rosen, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> they really want to build around Rosen, then for once I'm going to have to agree with you. They're going to need to give up somebody to get some picks. So we also have two 4-0 and o teams, and probably one of them is a little bit more surprising than the other. The Rams being the one that's not as surprising, considering all the money that they spent, all the transactions and trades that they went out and made in order to build this team that they have at this moment in time. The other being the surprising one, which is the 4-0 Kansas City Chiefs. So you put in here in our notes that the Chiefs' next two games are Jacksonville and New England, which, while New England has struggled, both of which are very tough opponents. And then the Rams' next two games are Seattle and Denver, which are probably on the weaker side compared to the Chiefs have to play. Who do you think is going to lose first in this situation? The Chiefs are going to lose first because, as we have in the in our document here, mm-hmm. the, the next real threat for the Rams is Green Bay in Week 8, and I still think they're going to roll over the Packers. Oh, yeah, and 100%. Week 9, they face someone that I, a, a team in New Orleans that I think could actually beat the Rams or give them the best shot to, to losing. Whereas the Chiefs, I could see Jacksonville uh, getting on them fast and early. I could see New England trying to get revenge for last year. I wouldn't be surprised, however, after those two games, Jacksonville and New England, if they won both of those. This team has just put up incredible numbers. I don't know them off the top of my head. I wish I was that type of person. But defensively, they have shut down some pretty good teams. They were able to at least hold off the Minnesota Vikings from beating them in Thursday night football. And then um, in addition to that, their offense has had explosive games from multiple players. And particularly the most surprising might be Jared Goff having a really good start to his season. I would not be surprised after those two games if they still are undefeated. But Joe, you're what the Rams have the first two easy games that you're you're referencing the Chiefs. Oh my god! The first two games, my fault. Just, yeah, I, I'm glad Completely I caught it there. Yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just saying though, the Rams though, they're going to be the tough ones to, to, you know, to to end up being knocked off first. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they blew out New Orleans. New Orleans looked a little sluggish against the Giants. They don't until have the, they the don't fourth have, quarter. They don't have a lick of defense. New, oh, New Orleans, no, no pass defense whatsoever. Um, but the Chiefs though, my apologies on that one. I would not be surprised though if they were able to knock off both Jacksonville and New England. That was the point I was trying to make, and then right. I completely just reversed <laughs> the personnel in my mind. But I they their offense is just so electric right now. Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins has done a good job of contributing, Tyreek Hill, and then you know you always have Travis Kelsey, you always have Kareem Hunt. There's not a single guy in that offensive unit that can't blow up for a big game, very similar to the Rams, which I ended up talking about. Defensively, they're a little bit more of a struggle, and coincidentally, they're in probably their best situations because um, Jacksonville's offense isn't that strong, and New England's offensive line has some holes, and so does their receiving core. But the next point that we're going to be talking about here is that we're going to be breaking down our quarter season report. There's four games that have gone through in this season, and who right now is your offensive player after the first quarter? Who has been the best offensive player? Yeah, the quarterly offensive player of the year award that I would give would go to Alvin Kamara 
after he he's shown no sight of a sophomore slump. Uh, he's produced 275 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, and incredibly impressively, 35 receptions, 336 receiving yards, and one touchdown. So he's receiving he's he's gained more receiving yards than he has rushing yards, and it, it looks like he's doing it all for the Saints, and he's doing it in lieu of Ingram being out for the first four games. So he's put the uh, the two-headed monster into just a one-headed beast. It's incredible. Yeah, he's really done a good job. And through the first three weeks, he was actually more uh, affecting the Saints' offense in the passing game. And then he really took the lid off against the New York Giants. I had to, I sadly had to sit through and watch that whole performance by Kamara. But my guy, and I just touched upon him, is Patrick Mahomes, has been absolutely lighting up the opposing defense that he's gone against. 14 touchdowns, 1,200 yards passing. A very strong player, and frankly, I don't see any sight of him slowing down. He has a very good arm. He is very good at managing himself in the pocket, and in addition to that, he has so many assets around him that he's going to be able to keep doing that for the rest of the season. So, Sean, who is your defensive, quarterly defensive player? And I, I'm expecting us both to have the same one. Uh, my quarterly defensive player of the year is Khalil Mack. I didn't even look at it, and I was I was literally right. about to pull yeah. Khalil Mack's stats. Yeah, he has 17 tackles, five sacks, four forced fumbles in four games, and one interception. It, he's tearing it up, and he's getting national recognition and sh- uh, from the from the league and uh, the fans, and he's getting national chagrin put on to the Oakland Raiders for letting him go. It's the biggest mistake uh, that the Raiders have maybe ever made. So you're probably going to hate me for this because when I brought it up last week, you kind of gave me a hard time for it. I don't know if, you, if I brought it up on the podcast or not, but... The whole situation just becomes so ironic from the remarks that John Gruden keeps making week in and week out. He, I think this time someone someone in the at the press conference was like, he had another uh, strip sack, and he and Gruden's response was, "Wait, he had another one." Like, like like he just he he's making the situation almost worse. It doesn't even look like he's having a typical strip sack. He just runs up yeah. and grabs the ball out of their arms. He's so explosive and so aggressive when tackling opposing quarterbacks and making those sacks that he's almost just knocking the ball out from how hard he's hitting them. It's awesome. It's just he's so much fun to watch. I love I enjoy watching the Bears defense play and I'm sure you enjoy watching the Bears offense play after seeing Trubisky throw what six touchdowns on Sunday. Oh, oh yeah. Um the you know, incredible game for him and just came completely out of nowhere. But bit of an interesting fact here though. Did you know that at Buffalo there is another First round regarded defensive end, and guess what his first name is? His name's Khalil Hodge. How funny is that? Oh, oh, Buffalo, the university. Yeah, University, the university of, Bu- of Buffalo. Oh, I yes, you're talking about. he's okay. considered to be a first round draft pick, and his name is Khalil Hodge, and he's been doing a pretty good, pretty good job so far in the first few weeks of college football. But how crazy would that be if we had two dominant Khalils from the University of Buffalo? just lighting up opposing offenses. But our next award that we're giving out is our quarterly rookie offensive performers. Sean, who do you have? Oh, I, I don't even know why I'm asking this one. I just looked at who you had. Who do you <laughs> have? <sighs> I, I strayed away from the from the quarterbacks, and uh, none of the running backs have well, really... Well, none of the imp- quarterbacks have done anything. And, and none of the running backs have really impressed me uh, that much. So I, <sighs> when I look at the, the players, <laughs> were you going to choose this player as well? No, I'm not, but I'm disappointed about your recent comment. But. Oh, oh, I forgot. Saquon Barkley is, is, is Saquon the one that Barkley. you would probably choose. Uh, I ch- I went, I'm went. i going with Calvin Ridley, 
and the receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, 15 receptions on the year, 264 yards. Neither of those statistics would really jump out on the page and say, wow, offensive uh, rookie of the year. But then you look at his touchdowns. He has six touchdowns in four games. In his first game, he didn't even catch a touchdown. Yeah, and I think one of the things about him coming out is that he was regarded to being a good target in the red zone, but that's really wasn't his, you know, his bread and butter. And it just ends up being that it, that's how he's been dominant for the Falcons so far. But the reason why I cringe a little because you said, oh, none of the running backs have impressed me. Well, buddy, here, <laughs> Saquon Barkley has been extremely impressive to me. 260 yards on the ground running the ball, 4.6 yard per carry average. He has also racked up three touchdowns, but... Those numbers aren't really that crazy for four games in because he's only taken 56 attempts. The crazy part about it is that he has had 27 receptions in four games. 27. That is a huge number for a rookie running back. And then to go along with it, 193 receiving yards along of 21. And if I'm correct, he's actually on pace right now for 1,800 yards from scrimmage, which is just – which is – an insane stat for a rookie running back just to put up that many yards from scrimmage. And I'm pretty sure that'd be on pace to beat Ezekiel Elliott's uh, record that he set. For, no, I don't know if it was a record, but the, the the performance that Ezekiel Elliott put up in his rookie season, I'm pretty sure they'd be on pace to beat it. Yeah, he's achieving Alvin Kamara receiving numbers for a running back. It, it's really impressive to see it. Although they do throw a lot of slants just right to the running back in the flat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes and no. He did. I I will give you that, that from watching him. He is oftentimes like you know a dump off kind of guy. He runs a lot of flares out of the backfield. You know, you know wheel routes here and there. They do a good job of actually splitting him out wide and putting him in situations where he has the advantage. Like against the Texans, they lined him up against a linebacker on the Texans, and he just jumped over him pretty much just to get that ball and, and come down with it. But our last award that we're giving out is our quarterly rookie defensive performer, Sean Houdiat. Joe, I didn't know if I could beat yours because yours is an absolute stud find. But okay. my defensive rookie of the year through the first quarter of the season is Derwin James, safety for the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, that's a good one. Through four weeks, he has amassed 26 tackles. Get this, three sacks. And one interception. And he's a safety Three folks. sacks. He's yeah. a safety, folks. I made this call early in the uh, in the summer that I thought he would be my defensive player of the year. It's looking like Joe's will likely turn out to be defensive rookie of the year, barring injury, knock wood. But I, I think know, Derwin, I don't know if this table here is <laughs> wood, Sean, but... But, uh, yeah, I think Derwin James has had a very strong start to the season. All right, before I get to this and I say his name, I would like to point out that this man is an FCS product, folks. Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. He has been lighting things up for the Indianapolis Colts defense. 54 combined tackles, 16 assisted tackles, and four sacks. Four sacks. I, I believe actually he ended up getting you know, two in one game, but it's he's spread it out. He's had over 10 uh, tackles in four games so far this season. Those are crazy numbers for a rookie linebacker, and nobody was really expecting this. When the Colts took him as early as they did in the second round, 
Everybody was like, what is wrong with him? He is unproven, but he is an athletic freak flying all over the place. He's going to keep doing that. I bet you he's going to be the defensive player of the year by the end of the season. He's leading the league in tackles right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely forgot rookie, to mention that. Really, I think his stats could go into the next stat of our uh, segment that we're introducing. Fat stats. Fat stats, yes. Better than what I had, but I do like the name Fat Stats. And essentially what this <laughs> segment is going to be, just a little bit of preface after this, we're not going to keep explaining it, but what this is is that it's a stat that you just look at it and you're like, that guy did what? And your guy, I, before the show, didn't even know he did this, but what? who is your man? Who is your Fat Stat of the Week? My Fat Stat of the Week. <laughs> I swear I'll get used to saying that. Uh, Nick Chubb, running back for the Cleveland Browns. Three rushes on the day. Three. That's not 13. That's not 30. That's three. 105 yards and two touchdowns. I, I, what, what average is that? No player has ever had a stat line like that in NFL history. I, I Honestly, I'll be honest. I didn't see any of those rushes. I want to go back and see what he did on those three rush plays because he, he must have had three straight 30-yard rushes. Am I wrong, or did he have just one really long one? I, I can't tell you. I think it happened in the in the middle of the Raiders-Browns game. That's crazy. That 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 is crazy. I mean, hopefully he can bring that level of explosiveness throughout his career and be the guy for the Browns. Carlos Hyde has been the, the bell cow going forward, but my guy, and I was debating between him and Mitchell Trubisky, but I decided to go with Corey Davis because – Corey Davis got shut down against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was not expecting anything from him this week. You know, kind of wrote him off. And he comes out nine receptions, 161 yards, and one touchdown. That's almost, I'm pretty sure, a 20. No, it's probably a little bit under a 20-yard per reception average. When did the touchdown occur, Joe, for our listeners? I'm not sure why. Joe. What? You chose this man as your fat stat of the week. Yes. And you didn't know the fattest part of his stat? No. His touchdown was the walk-off winner. Oh, oh, damn. I am sorry, folks. That is a complete mental lapse on my part. I'm sorry, Sean. Sean, do you still love me? <laughs> all right, so I mean, we're both happy for the kid. I mean, yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah. The guy. I mean, we're younger than him. I'm yeah, yeah. saying it. Yeah, I mean, not we're much ha- younger though. I mean, we're both happy for him. <laughs> okay, well, but I, I'd love to see him keep performing and and keep progressing as a former top five pick by the Tennessee Titans from Western Michigan. But our new favorite segment, which we added a couple of weeks ago, is upside downside, in which we pick players that or people in any NFL setting that performed better than that we expected or did not do what we wanted them to do or or played below expectations. My upside of the week is Cooper Cup came out with two touchdowns and had over 100 receiving yards. Just crazy game for him. Ended up being the primary receiving outlet for Jared Goff and I frankly when I when the kid came out of college out of 
another FCS product out of Eastern Washington. Another, I, I, I think I'm debating adding a clapping sound afterwards <laughs> just for every time we talk about an FCS I, product. I could just wheel back and, and, and get away from the mic. It's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but more and more FCS products keep dominating, and each time someone does it, I promise you I will point it out. Carson Wentz doesn't count, but because I'll be talking about him every week if we did that. But Cooper Cup, love watching him play, wa- love watching him dominate. I hope I keep seeing it. My upside of the week. This one hits a little home for me. Zach Pascal, wide receiver for the Colts, caught his first touchdown this last week. He was undrafted from Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Went up to the uh, to the Redskins for training camp, got cut by them. He's from PG County in Maryland, so he's a DMV guy through and through. Gets cut, gets picked up by the Colts, catches his first touchdown this week, I'm so incredibly happy for him. It maybe you don't know him, do you? No, I don't know. Him. Oh, okay. No, it's just you just have to root for him. Well, yeah, no, I just I didn't because you and I both have connections to some extent to some guys that are in the league right now. We've you know vaguely have some acquaintances that have had some experience, so I just wasn't sure. No, yeah, I just it okay. was just a really cool hometown story. So my downside here is, and I'm sure most of you heard this one, folks, Frank Reich. Reich, I don't, I don't even care how to pronounce it. From the stupid decision making, he decided to come out this week with, in which he, in the f- overtime period when the game was tied, on fourth down and approximately the middle of the field, with around thirty seconds left, he chose to go for it on fourth down instead of letting the clock to run out and the game to end in a tie. They were, I believe, further than three yards. I think it was fourth and four. This is which game, Joe, for our listeners? It is the Colts-Texans game. And on fourth and four, I might be wrong in that number, decided to go for it, did not get the fourth down conversion, gave the ball right back to the Texans. They literally move, I'm pretty sure it was like 20 or 30 yards Great field position, probably less than that if I can guess, and kicked a field goal and won the game. Giving the Texans their first win of the season, all they needed to do was run the clock out. And he decided to be overly aggressive. And then in the post-game press conference, he actually came out and and, and said some dumb comment about how, oh, I'm going to keep doing that. So that's that's my little spiel on Frank Reich. My downside of this last week is the Browns secondary. I'm calling you out. You gave up so much yardage and so many touchdowns to the abysmal Raiders offense, it made me sick to my stomach. You let Amari Cooper, who's been having a, an abysmal year, get eight receptions. Big 100, word of the day, folks. Sorry, uh, just, sorry. 128 <laughs> yards and one touchdown. Jared Cook, eight receptions, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Jordy Nelson, the old man, went out, caught five balls, for 48 yards, one touchdown, and one crucial two-point conversion on a fade in the goal line to send you guys into OT and eventually give you the loss. You can't let that happen. Your offense scored you 42 points. They This Brown secondary lost the game for them, and it, it just, yeah, that, that was my downside. It ruined my, my week. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at the game. I, writ, I wrote off the, the Raiders. I actually thought that the, the Browns had won it. And then I only found that they lost until way after the game had occurred. I, you know, just a terrible way to lose a game. 
terrible way to lose game. But we're going to conclude things with the wonderful portion that we do and we get really competitive. And I'm looking at these numbers, Sean, and I feel like they might be a little faulty. So the today we're doing who you got and we're reflecting on last week. Somehow... Sean went 87%. 13 for 15, baby. I'm going to go back and check that. Please do. Please do. That is some BS. What did you go, Joe? I got 53%, and somehow, somehow, I want to go back and do this math. I did the math. I double-checked the math, because the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, that's not right. Sean is, okay, Sean is 55%. I have 54. This is a season average. Sean takes the lead. All of my fans, thank you for supporting me. I am now in the lead. You, I won't let you down. I won't let you the have, lead. You have I no fans. Give you the have lead no fans. Back. Stop it. You have no fans. I appreciate you. I value you. No one likes you. Just no. <laughs> this is a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Week five. Who you got? First game. Thursday night football. Colts. Patriots. Patriots. I was gonna say. I was kind of getting like a you know a suspenseful build up. I was gonna say who you got, but. Who you got? Patriots. All right. Um, I'm going to – you know what? Colts. Oh, Titans, foolish. Bills. That's foolish. That's foolish. Titans, Bills. Why did I make you sound like Ronald Reagan? I just <laughs> All right. Titans, Bills. Don't Bills. Don't this one. Are you serious? Okay. There's a reason why we don't break these down because it would take two hours to go through all of them. Titans, because I could sit here and argue with you for hours on why how dumb you are. Falcons, Steelers. Steelers. Falcons, Broncos, Jets. Stop picking Atlanta. I like Atlanta. Stop picking them. I like They're Atlanta. They're terrible. I um, like Atlanta. <laughs> you said Broncos, Jets? Uh, Yes, Broncos, Jets. Broncos. Broncos, Jaguars, Chiefs. Chiefs. Jaguars, Packers, Lions. Packers. Lions, Ravens, Browns. Ravens, they stay hot. Ravens, Giants, Panthers. Panthers. Giants, Dolphins, Bengals. Actually, that's sorry, I just point out that's four straight weeks Sean has picked <laughs> against the New York I'm, Giants. I'm three and one picking against the New York Giants. Dolphins, Bengals. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Dolphins, Bengals. Dolphins, Bengals, Dolphins. Um. Oh wow, this is a tough one. This is actually a really tough one. You said Dolphins. Yeah, I chose Miami. I'm gonna go Dolphins. Raiders, Chargers. Gruden got his first win, so I don't have to pick the Raiders anymore. The Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers are gonna smoke Oakland. I can't wait. All right, Chargers, Cardinals, 49ers. Come on, 49. Joe, how much do I have to pay you to watch that game? Four o'clock game. <laughs> We're gonna. We'll, we'll I be mean, free. L- luckily, we'll be free. It'll be on. No, but I'm gonna have to do some work. Um, probably gonna have to write an article during that. So thankfully, I don't have to sit there and watch that crap. But who? You I, I didn't give it. Who you got? <laughs> who you got? Cardinals. Oh, I, I, I was actually gonna say Cardinals, and then I, I realized you just said it because I was too busy thinking about my. I, oh, man, I hope we're both wrong. Um, <laughs> Vikings, Eagles. Eagles. I think the Eagles have Kirk Cousins' number. I think every team in the NFC East has Kirk Cousins' number. Eagles take the win. Vikings. Vikings. <laughs> For anyone that didn't hear it. Um, Rams. Seahawks. Rams. 
Yeah, not that, I can't believe I took a second to think about that one. Rams, Cowboys, Texans. Oh, Battle of Texas. Yeah. Cowboys. Remember, Hopkins is going to get shut down versus Byron Jones. Texans, Redskins, Saints. Why would? Why do you always try to persuade me? I'm not even trying. I was just into going because with your very because oh, when I'm making I my can't picks, believe I just I'm think of a couple you. picks I, on the. I keep. <sighs> I go through. I think of it for a quick second. You know what are going to be the key factors? I'm like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, oh, they have Byron Jones, the top-rated cornerback cornerback in the NFL right now. He's the top-rated corner. Mm-hmm. Well, through three weeks, the. Pro Football Focus is going to release their ratings. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. today. Later. Cowboys. To, uh, I'm I'm saying Tex- Texans. Redskins. Saints. Oh, Redskins are going to hurt me. Saints. They're just going to. They, I can't. I can't pick the Redskins. Could you? No, I don't. I, I honestly can't. I'm going to pick the Saints. The Saints are too hot right now. So the last thing that we have going on for us today is we are taking some fan DMs. We have a few this week. First one is from at Anthony Garrow 35 and um, the first question he sent us was just smelling small smelling salts in the NFL question mark. So I don't I'm not sure what he wants us to talk about. Well, Anthony, salt. I believe smelling salts are more used in the hockey. So you could find an NHL based podcast well, and ask them that. The, the reason why he's very intrigued by smelling salts. Anthony is. Yeah, because Pat McAfee was talking about how Matt Prater did smelling salts and then kicked a 25-yard field goal. So, what? if you're asking if you should Specialist use them, man. if you're asking if you should use them, I'm going to say no, Anthony, try not to use them. But his other question, who is the better Colquitt brother and um I'm not sure if either of them are still on a team or not. I think the Brandon Colquitt on the Chiefs, they're punters, by the way. For anyone that doesn't know, they're punters. I think the one on the Chiefs is the better one. I'm just kind of, you know, guessing on that one. But some legitimate questions. First one from Sam Hutchinson. Do we have his handle? I no one needs to interact okay. with him on Twitter. Okay. Uh Sam Hutchinson <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he listens to this. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's gonna, okay. but I just still no one needs to okay. interact with him or um, show him any attention. Sam Hutchinson in Richmond is asking who are the NFC East favorites. So let, let's simplify that and just ask who is the NFC East favorite? You go first. The Eagles. I, the Giants. Uh, Giants stink, and then the Cowboys are have no identity whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Dak and, Prescott is just terrible. And then, I don't believe. In why him. would you ever pick the Redskins as a favorites? And this is just me being a weather beaten fan of them and supporter. I could just don't put any faith in them. The Eagles are the what is it? Greater of four evils? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I'm gonna probably go with Eagles too, just considering how this conference used to be deemed one of the most competitive and now it's probably the most probably the least competitive. Well, I think that the games between them yeah, they're between always each tight. other will be very competitive. They're always tight. But versus but real teams, yeah. They'll get smoked. All right. So from Jack Lloyd in California. Um, he is asking, who is the better defensive lineman, Miles Garrett or Joey Bosa? I'm assuming Jack is a Chargers fan, um, considering he's asking about Joey Bosa. I'm going to go with Garrett here just because they're two different styles of defensive end. 
Garrett needs to prove himself a little bit more because he's only in his second season. But are you? I frankly think Garrett is much more explosive than Joey Bosa is. He's he's a, a little bit more athletic. Joey Bosa is a little bit more explosiveness and aggressiveness, and Miles Garrett is more athleticism and finesse. They're both powerful guys. They both are. Yeah, I know you're, you're you're getting all bent out of shape. They're both powerful defensive ends. They both you know work good powerful moves. They're not just trying to run around guys. Is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Bosa is more brute strength than Miles Garrett is. So like he, you, you he, just vouched for both defensive linemen. But I'm saying Miles Garrett. I like him because he's okay. He's more you said Miles Garrett is more explosive, and then you said Joey Bosa. Uh, explosive athletically, Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa is more strength and aggression. Explosive. I think Garrett is more athletic. Explosive. I know that sounds redundant. Shut up. I. What's the question, I, dude? Who's I, the better I, defensive I, lineman? Okay, Joey Bosa. Okay, why? He has more sacks. All right, thank you for that. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> that no, is I, all. He, I mean, he's, he's a monster on the field. Yeah. Miles Garrett. I, I mean, he's really good. He's another monster. I just think Joey Bosa has a better feel for the game at the NFL level. As soon as he got in there, well, he's a yeah. As soon as he got in there, he had that feeling and he had the the drive and the motor. He, I think, he has a higher motor than Miles Garrett, also. And I believe, like my ideologies when it comes to defensive linemen, a higher motor is better than just talent or size. I still think Garrett has a motor, but I'm not saying he doesn't have a motor. Yeah. All right, but regardless. That is it for this week's edition of Get to the Point. Thank, thank you. F- what, yeah, what? Thank you for the DMs. Oh yes, thank you so much for DMing us. If you're listening, please DM us. And please stay tuned for Thursday, as we are likely going to be starting a very new portion of Get to the Point, in which well, let's just leave them with a little cliffhanger. Yes, to, I, to, I, yeah. I, that's what I was getting at. We don't want to disclose what it is. You will see on Thursday how. Things will be transforming for us in our podcast production. But we just want to thank everybody for the support that you've given us so far in helping us get where we are at this point in time. But thank you again. Follow us on any social media outlet at GTTP Podcast. Check us out on Apple Podcast, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Leave a review. Yep. Leave a rating. Leave do a whatever. Review, anything. Text us. Uh, not text us. DM us. I, I'll tell, give you my phone number. Yeah, tell, <laughs> tell us if you like us. Tell if you tell us if you hate us. Debate with us. Interact with us, please. All right. So that's going to be it. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. This was Get to the Point. I'm Joe DeLeon. And I'm Sean Anderson.